welcome everyone to Daf Yomi Yevamot, one week at a time. Uh, this is our 14th lesson. So again, I feel like as we continue, I need to say kolakavod to everyone who's still here uh, and uh, really sticking along. Today we are going to be doing uh, reviewing Daf 93. Uh, 298. Uh, so that is through tomorrow's daf. Um, there was just so much information. Uh, I was trying to go till Tuesday, but uh, it's just these dafim are so long. Uh, I actually have some um, slides from Hadran that I'm going to share with you uh, this evening. And uh, thank you all for your flexibility for meeting me on uh, Sunday. Next week, we will go back uh, to the regular time on Tuesday. Um, and that will be from DAF 99, and we'll see how far we can get. Um, okay, let's get to uh, DAF 93. Uh, we ended off last time talking about... Um, if you can sanctify things uh, that don't exist yet, uh, right? The, the law gives us the ability to sanctify something. Uh, Rabbi Akiva says on Daf 93 uh, that you can actually control things or, or uh, have power over things, even if they don't exist yet, right? So if a woman takes a vow that she doesn't want her husband to have any control about anything that she's going to be making, um, he says that, Rabbi Kiva says that works because she, uh, she can uh, sanctify things that don't exist yet, or we say, no, the case is different. Uh, she's actually sanctifying her hands. Uh, and therefore, anything her hands create will automatically be sanctified, uh, but not that uh, objects or things that don't exist cannot be controlled yet. Um, though, uh, Rabbi Kiva does give, uh, does give examples of uh, this, this idea. So he says that, let's say you sell the fruits of a palm tree, so you can change your sale um, before the fruits grow, because I can't sell fruits that haven't grown yet. Uh, or uh, maybe even after they grow, but, um, but, you know, maybe it's just not a good deal, and therefore you can change uh, the deal. Or what if I say, uh, I'm going to buy, uh, buy this property, this piece of land, um, and as soon as I buy it, it's going to transfer to you, right? So how am I transferring something to you if I don't own it yet? Uh, so Rabbi Akiva says that this type of um, condition does work. Uh, Rabbi Yanai uh, actually separated ma'asrot, right, the tithes, uh, for produce that he knew that his his sharecropper was going to give him, uh, but he hadn't given it to him yet. Uh, and the Gemara says that that does uh, that does work because um, again, uh, one is able to do that. Uh, another example is that you can um, that you can buy a slave in order to free him. Uh, the Gemara explains that how can I do that? Uh, again, um, it, it doesn't work. Um, again, if, if you, you say, I'm going to buy you, and then I'm going to free you at that exact moment. Uh, so the Gemara says that that works. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Also, if someone stipulates, um, you're betrothed to me, after you convert, or after I convert, or, right, meaning um, you can put in these stipulations, and, um, and, uh, and that actually does work. Um, so the Gemara says that uh, these things do, these do work. Um, the Gemara continues uh, also about designating um, designating truma on produce that hasn't completely grown yet. Uh, so again, uh, the, the Gemara uh, gives this uh, example that this can work. Um, let's go back to our original case. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
the Gemara asks, can a woman do Yibum if, uh, again, remember we said, if there was only one witness uh, who said that, um, that, uh, sorry, I keep getting a phone call. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Um, wait, excuse me one second. Okay, sorry. Um, okay, let's go back. Um, so we, the Gemara asks, can a woman do Yibum if she only gets, <coughs> if there was only one, one witness that came to testify? Um, right, maybe uh, the Gemara says, well, maybe she likes the brother uh, and that's why she wants to do Yibum and it seems like she's jumping into um, doing Yibum based on not very strong testimony. Um, so the Gemara says, well, if she does Yibum because of two witnesses, <coughs> excuse me, and then two witnesses come and say she doesn't need to do Yibum, then why do we li listen to them? Remember, we had the case, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, <coughs> Um, we had the case of the man going away <coughs> and then rumors that he died and then we see that he didn't die. <coughs> hmm. um, Put so, a piece of candy in your mouth. <coughs> that's a good, that is a good trick. <coughs> I'm going to try that. Hold on. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the Gemara says we're not going to believe two witnesses that say he is dead versus two witnesses that come and say he isn't dead. We're going to learn later on that two against two doesn't really work. How do you know which one to believe? Um, and therefore, we say. Rather, our case had to have been that it was one witness, and then if it was one witness and then two witnesses, we're going to believe the two witnesses over the one witness. Um, however, the Gemara does tell us that we do believe a wife to say that her husband died, and then she can remarry, and she can also do Yibum. So it's interesting that the wife is believed to say it herself, and then we say, the truth is that we do rely on one witness because you can search and find out if the, if the person is really dead or alive. Meaning, what the Gemara is trying to prevent is someone jumping into a relationship. And the Gemara says, because we can actually figure out um, the facts, so then we are going to believe uh, that one witness. And therefore, the Gemara interestingly says that people are not going to lie about this fact. You know, I saw this guy dead. This is a fact. He's either alive or he's dead. And the Gemara seems to imply that, um, there, that this person will not lie uh, if it is not true. You know, if, if they won't lie about this. Um, or... The, the Gemara suggests maybe that's not the reason, but we trust the woman to do research and to make sure that she's really sure that the husband is dead before she goes and remarries or does Yibum, depending on the case. Um, DAF 92 tells us, um, again, we just said that one source says that a woman is relied upon to say that her husband died. Here, the Gemara in Daf 92 says the woman isn't believed to say her husband died um, or that her sister died, but one witness is believed. <coughs> Excuse me. But the end of the Mishnah says that a man isn't believed to say his brother or his wife died. But that doesn't prove whether or not we believe one witness or not. <coughs> so sorry. 
Um, but really, the end of the Mishnah seems to imply <coughs> um, that we do believe this one witness. <coughs> it will take some time, but the only other thing you can do is go gargle with some salt water. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, we're going to try again. Uh, we are back. Okay, I really apologize. Let's go on to the next Mishnah. Uh, that was the uh, uncomplicated part of today's class. Uh, and now we have um, a whole bunch of pictures, uh, which I hope you can see here. And um, let me open up the chat box also, if someone wants to ch chat while we're looking at the pictures. Um, okay. Here we go. Uh, one second. Okay. Um, here uh, is our case of um, the opposite case of what we had before. Uh, before we had the man went abroad. Now we're going to have the wife going abroad. Um, so that is here hold on um okay uh the woman right so basically the wife goes abroad and then they say that she died and then um the husband marries her sister if you remember he's not allowed to marry her sister as long as she is alive so he marries the sister and then the wife comes back when the wife comes back she's permitted to go back to her husband and um, the husband um, can marry the relatives of the sister-in-law, meaning that relationship is as if it never existed. And um, that is basically almost like annulled, that it's as if that relationship never existed. Um, just to remind you that the flip case was not the case, meaning when the husband came, when the husband went away and the woman married somebody else, when the husband came back, the woman could not go back to him. So we're going to talk about why this is different in a minute. Um, then we have the case, well, um, what if, right, she was alive when you got married, but now really she's dead. Um, so then, uh, hold on, let's get to that case. Let's say they have a child. Um, and now it turns out, right, that she was uh, that she was dead and then they had a child so really sorry they have the child before she died then she really died and now they have another child so the gemara tells us that the first child is a mamzer meaning that child was a a, a, a a result of a forbidden relationship but the next child is okay because that relationship is now okay um, okay, our next case is uh, a little bit more complicated. We have two unrelated men marrying two sisters. Now, one sister and the, another husband go away, right? They go abroad. And, excuse me, and uh, they tell them that they died. So then the remaining husband marries the other sister right again he would not be allowed to do that if his wife was still alive because um, he's not allowed to marry her sister now lo and behold they come back now um interestingly the wife leah who went away is permitted to her husband but rachel who stayed is prohibited to david her husband who went away um, and the Gemara is going to explain why this is. Um, and uh, the Gemara tells us, however, that the same case, according to Rabbi Akiva, this would not be okay. According to Rabbi Akiva, um, he should actually give a get. Uh, and they're both, they both should be prohibited uh, to returning 
to um, their existing hus you know, husband and wife. Um, okay, um, so the Gemara says, so that is, those are our cases. The case was in the Mishnah and then in the Gemara. Um, now the Gemara continues with another case. The case that we just had was where everybody was married. What happens if um, the Gemara says people might think that if he only betrothed the woman before he left, right, now the man left. That's our original case, that a case we actually did last week. But let's say if he was betrothed and not married, then you might think, right, let's say and now he, he doesn't come back. She does Yibum with the brother. Now he comes back. That was not an okay relationship. Uh, they get a, they have a get. Um, but you might think that maybe there was a condition in their betrothal, you know, that um, it was okay for her to marry. You know, if he doesn't come back, maybe it was okay. Uh, therefore, he needs to give a get again to the woman. Um, and that shows that really there was no condition um, to the relationship. But um, here we say that there it was actually um, that they were married. Sorry, one second. This is, again, a betrothal. Um, we're going to get to this case in a minute. Um, but here, the case is really that they were married and not betrothed. There are no conditions, as we know. There are no conditions in marriage. Once you're married, you're married. You can't uh, do anything, you know, outside of that relationship. Um, therefore, even Rabbi Akiva would agree that you don't need to give uh, a get to the sister, meaning to that second wife that they, uh, that they married in the interim. Now, the Gemara gives another case. Um, Rabbi Akiva holds that if a man marries his mother-in-law, right, so again, he's not supposed to, um, but if he does, um, right here, this is the case where he marries his mother-in-law. Um, so then um, they uh, are, basically, this would be a, a, a problematic case. Um, and therefore, our Mishnah could have even mentioned that he married his mother-in-law, not just his sister-in-law. And the Gemara says, no, that would be already um, too much of a complicated uh, situation because that is still a forbidden relationship and would not be okay in any scenario. Um, so now the Gemara addresses, I think, the question that we've been thinking about, right? Why can the man go back to the original wife when, um, when we don't have that in the opposite case, right? So the Gemara explains, um, again, um, the reverse case is not the same thing. So the question is why? Um, the Gemara says that if a woman has an affair, and this is, again, I think a, an important uh, point within the framework of halacha and in the Gemara, um, things are not always equal. Uh, I know that uh, nowadays we like that things should be equal, um, but that is not the case um, in the Jewish law. It's not the case in the Gemara. Uh, again, we can discuss it at the end if you'd like, but basically, uh, and again, I'll explain it in a minute, uh, but basically, um, the, the Gemara explains that if a woman has an affair, right, and we've seen this before, um, she is biblically forbidden to her husband, right? She is not allowed to have an extramarital affair. Um, and therefore here, when she does it by accident, um, she's now rabbinically forbidden to go back to her husband. But the reverse case is not true, meaning a man can have multiple wives, definitely in the time of the Mishnah, um, and maybe in the times of the Gemara. And therefore, if he has an extramarital affair, we'll say with a single woman, uh, that does not pro prohibit him back to his wife. Uh, and therefore, um, he can go back to the wife who went away, uh, but the reverse case is not is not true. Um, Daf ninety five tells us right that this is based on a verse. Um, again, as I mentioned, it's a biblical prohibition that if the woman has an affair, she's not allowed to go back to her husband. Uh, but if a man sleeps with his sister's wife, 
that's not the case, meaning he can go back to his wife. I know it doesn't sound very fair, but uh, that is uh, the the reality of the uh, biblical um, prohibitions, um, and that is the reality on our duff. Um, the Gemara continues on Daf 95 that everyone agrees that if a man slept with his mother-in-law, now he is prohibited from going back to his wife. Um, and uh, really the, the machloket is about a sister-in-law. Some say he is prohibited, others say he isn't prohibited. Um, when he, right, again, when he gets married, then he forbids her from being with anybody, uh, but she forbids him only to her relatives. But in theory, he could marry anybody else. Uh, and therein lies the difference. Um, okay. Um, here, um, the, the Gemara now tries to find uh, a case where something more lenient is prohibited uh, that compares to um, the, the sister of your wife, which is stringent, meaning we're trying to find a comparable case of, right, as we said, here the man married his wife's sister, that was forbidden. We want to construct a case that's similar, but a little bit more lenient. Um, the word in the Gemara is isur kal. I'm looking for a prohibition that is less stringent, right? More, a little bit more lenient. So the Gemara actually has five different scenarios. Um, <coughs> I was doing well. Okay. Um, the first one is uh, what we call machzir grushato. Uh, when one returns, meaning one gets divorced, the wife marries somebody else, he is not allowed to remarry. Then, let's say she gets divorced again, she is not allowed to go back to husband number one. Um, right? When the second husband sleeps with her, she now becomes prohibited to the first husband. Right? So, too, the Gemara says, when the first husband remarries, right, remarries the sister, um, then she becomes prohibited. Um, then, uh, sorry, then, then, right, again, then she becomes prohibited. Um, and then the Gemara says, no, that's not more lenient than our case. So the Gemara starts, tries again. What about uh, Yivama, right? Again, the woman who's waiting to do Yibum. And let's say she sleeps with someone else. Uh, when If she sleeps with someone else, she now becomes prohibited to the Yavam, to the, uh, right, her, uh, her uh, husband's brother. Um, she becomes prohibited. The Gemara says, no, that's not more lenient. What about the case when, uh, again, the Yivama, when the brother does ma'amar to her, if you remember, ma'amar was the betrothal uh, in a uh, yibum scenario, right? He says, I want to do yibum with her. And then, um, and then um, does yibum. Um, she becomes prohibited to the other brothers. Um, the Gemara keeps trying and says, let's try another case. What about a sota? Right, the sota was the woman who is suspected of uh, having uh, an affair. Um, if the husband sleeps with her after he suspects her, then she becomes uh, prohibited to uh, the man she had an affair with. Um, and then the Gemara tries one more time. Um, maybe it's the sota, this woman. Um, if she slept with another man, and the Gemara says, wait a minute, she's a married woman. If she sleeps with another man, that is not um, lenient. That is much more stringent, and that is not the case here. Um, the, the Gemara now continues um, and says that maybe Rabbi Yossi, again, Rabbi Yossi was teaching in the Mishnah um, that the wife can stay with her husband, or maybe... Um, not only is she prohibited to the husband, but she's also um, 
so too the man who um, came back is also prohibited to his wife, meaning we said maybe it's unequal, maybe we're, the Mishnah is teaching no, maybe they're both equally prohibited to their spouses. Or no, maybe we're just talking about uh, getting back together with the woman who went overseas, as I mentioned before. Um, okay, let's go to Daf uh, 96. Um, in Daf 96, uh, we are going to have <laughs> a new Mishnah, which uh, one would think would be less complicated, but one would be incorrect. Um, <coughs> we are now getting more complicated. Um, just look at the picture for a minute. <laughs> um, this picture is a series of women that are um, related. Um, they are related uh, as maternal sisters or paternal sisters, meaning, uh, right, if you start from the left, right, Dina and Yocheved are, right, they have the same mother, whereas Yocheved and Sarah have the same father, uh, etc. down the line, right? That's what we're looking at. Um, we're looking at sisters who are all related, but not all related, which is the point. Um, okay, so we actually did learn this case previously, but this is the Mishnah, so I will read the Mishnah. Oh, and uh, the 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 slide is excellent. Again, I thank Hadran. Uh, this, these slides are excellent. Um, so we have a man. <laughs> Ruben is very busy. Okay, so we have a man, and he marries Malka, and then uh, uh, she is rumored, okay, to have died, and then he decides to marry her sister. Uh, this is her paternal sister, right? They share the same father. Then I don't know why. But again, rumored to have died. So he moves down the line and marries her maternal sister. And then you get the case, right? And then he keeps going, so on and so forth, all the way down the line. And then it turns out that they're all alive. Okay? Now, if you didn't watch soap operas, so now is the time to start. Okay, so that was, that's the case. So now what happens? It turns out they're all alive. So now, watch what happens. The Gemara says, if you remember, Malka, we started on the right. Malka was, is, is, right, they all come back now. So Malka can marry, can stay married to Ruvain. But interestingly enough, so can number three and number five. Meaning, Sarah, here you see, one, three, and five can stay married to Ruvain. Because if you look carefully, they are not related, right? Go from Malka. Malka and Sarah do not share any parent. Um, so too with Dina, number five. However, right, Rivka, he couldn't be with her because she's the first woman he wasn't allowed to marry because she is the paternal sister of Malka, who's still alive. And so too, number four is a paternal sister of a, a woman that he's allowed to be married. So one and one, three and five are okay. Two and four are not okay. Okay, let's say, um, hold on one minute. Okay, let's say the same case, but it turns out now Malka really is dead. So now we start from Rivka. So he's allowed to be with Rivka and Yocheved and not allowed to be with Sarah and Dina. So now he's allowed to be with two and four, but not with three and five, because again, now they're related. Okay, everybody good? Excellent. Okay, um, the, the Mishnah continues. Um, well, we're not gonna do slides for this, but I'll leave this picture, because this was a complicated one. Um, the Mishnah continues and talks about a minor, um, and here, uh, we're talking about um, doing yibum with a child who is nine and one day old. Um, the Gemara is going to teach us, well, first the Mishnah is going to teach us that a, a boy who is nine years old and a day 
if he does yibum, so it counts for something. It's not as if an adult did it, but it counts for something. And he prohibits the other brothers, and his brothers um, also prohibit him. Um, and if the adult brother does yibum or chalitza, or get or mamar, right? They can do four different actions, so they disqualify him. Um, but it seems that a minor can only do yibum, but not anything else. And we'll get back to that in a minute. So let's go to the Gemara. Um, we're going back to this case that we just mentioned. Um, the Gemara says, right, when do we get this case of two and four? That's only if she definitely died. Um, otherwise, we go back to the case of one, three, and five. Okay, we're going to continue about talking about the minor. Um, if he does do yibum first, so then it works. If the adult brothers do ma'amar, again, that's betrothal, and then the minor does yibum, it seems that it doesn't work. That's the first opinion. The next opinion is, no, 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 his yibum does work. Rather, his ma'amar doesn't work in the middle, right? Basically, the, the minor cannot do ma'amar. Um, so the Gemara says, wait, the, the, Mishnah, the Mishnah said that the minor can do yibum. Um, so here the Gemara explains, as I mentioned, the adult can do four actions, right? We said yibum, chalitza, ma'amar, which is betrothal. It's like a step towards yibum. And get, which is a step towards chalitza. Um, so the adult can do all those four things. Um, but it seems maybe the minor can only do yibum, or no, he can do ma'amar as well, but it only counts if he was the first one to do something, um, but it doesn't work in the middle. And then it seems there's another, uh, there's another breita that says the minor can even give a get and do ma'amar. He does have that power, but it's a weaker power than the adult. Um, Okay, uh, the Gemara continues. Um, so some say that relations with a nine-year-old is like the ma'amar of an adult, meaning it's not strong enough. It doesn't count as yibum. Um, or maybe we're talking about chalitza of a minor is like get of an adult, right? All of these things imply that the action of the minor works but up until a certain degree and not fully. Um, and the Gemara says again, the Gemara seems to conclude that the minor can give a get, it's just a weaker get. Um, okay, let's go to the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah tells us that a, mi a minor did Yibum, okay, so he does do Yibum, and then his minor brother, right, he has a brother who's also, right, he's nine and a half, and he has a brother who is ten, right, ten and a half. Um, they're both under 13. Um, so let's say what the one brother does yibum, and then the minor brother also does yibum. So now he disqualifies number one from marrying her, right? He cannot marry her after that. Rabbi Shimon says it doesn't disqualify him from marrying her. Next case, a minor does yibum with one wife, and um, then he does yibum with the co-wife. He wasn't supposed to do that, right? But he decides to do it with the co-wife. So now he disqualifies himself from, again, marrying wife number one when he becomes an adult. Again, he has to do another action when he becomes an adult. Rabbi Shimon says, no, he doesn't disqualify himself. The Gemara explains that Rabbi Shimon explains that if the first Yibum is valid, then the second one shouldn't take effect, meaning either it's strong enough to work and therefore it works. The second one shouldn't mess it up. Or if it's not strong enough to work, why would the second one mess it up? That's Rabbi Shimon's um, opinion. Again, the original opinion in the Mishnah uh, disagrees and says, no, the second action does have a consequence because the first action isn't strong enough. The second action has a consequence.
Okay, next Mishnah on 96. If a minor did Yibum and then he died, the other brothers need to do Chalitza and not Yibum, meaning, right, do we see it as a full-fledged Yibum or not? It seems not really the case. Um, if a minor gets married and then he dies, right, still under 13, um, the brothers don't do Yibum or Chalitza because that, that wedding, that marriage, wasn't a full-fledged marriage. Um, the Mishnah continues that a minor does Yibum, and then when he's an adult, um, and then, okay, when he's an adult, he marries another woman, and then he dies, okay? So now we have a case where he's an adult, he has the Yibum that he did when he was a minor, and a new wife that's a full-fledged wife. So the Gemara says, if he didn't have relations with the woman that he did Yibum with since he became an adult, then um, she can only do Chalitza with the surviving brother, right? Because now she needs Yibum for two husbands, right? The first and the second. The second wife can do Yibum or Chalitza because she's a full-fledged wife. Again, Rabbi Shimon here says, that a brother can do yibum with either one, right? He can choose. Um, all of these apply as well. We mentioned a minor, but the Mishnah ends by telling us that this also applies to a man who is reaches 20 years old and hasn't shown signs of puberty, right? What we called a saris. Um, okay, let's go to the Gemara. The Gemara says, um, uh, again, it's a machloket, if the yibum of a minor exempts the co-wife, right? Meaning we said the yibum of an adult, that exempts the other wife. But maybe that's not the case with a minor. Um, and here, um, the, the Gemara actually quotes a story. It gets a little off topic, but it quotes a story about Rabbi Yochanan getting upset that he wasn't quoted when someone quoted his Torah, his statement. Um, and then he gets rebuked about his anger. Uh, and here the Gemara talks about how anger in the Beit Midrash doesn't have a place. Uh, and I think it's a very powerful lesson uh, that one shouldn't get offended, one shouldn't get angry when studying Torah. Um, and uh, therefore, um, how did they appease Rabbi Yochanan? Right? They said, everybody knows that when your student teaches, we all know that he's quoting you. Uh, and I think it's a beautiful idea that, you know, when a, a teacher teaches students, uh, that that teaching uh, lives on. And that actually comes from this Gemara, because at the top of 97, the Gemara explains why Rabbi Yochanan was so upset, right? Rabbi Yochanan was so upset because he knew that when you quote your teacher, you're, you, you, you're creating a connection to the past. Uh, so much so that the Gemara gives a very vivid image of right the lips quivering in the grave. Right? What does that mean? Right? That a person can live in the next world and in this world um, when the the students quote the teacher's teachings. Uh, and Rabbi Yochanan said, you know, I want to, you know, I don't think live forever, but I want to have a long life, and therefore um, I wanted him to quote me. Um, because the soul uh, feels when they're being uh, quoted. Uh, so I thought it was just very interesting um, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, anger and uh, giving credit to teachers. Uh, and with that, we finish the 10th chapter, uh, and we are now uh, going to begin the 11th chapter. Um, yeah, it's not getting less complicated, uh, but first, uh, I think it's, uh, I'll just put out a trigger warning. Uh, the, the first Mishnah of this parak uh, again brings up, I think we had this uh, in the beginning of the Masechet, um, uh, relations that are uh, not necessarily, uh, let's say, outside the context of uh, a, a marriage. Uh, the Gemara mentions it as, uh, being violated or being seduced. 
Um, but I, I think the point is uh, relations outside of uh, a marriage scenario. Uh, so the Mishnah tells us on Daf 97 uh, that if you remember at the beginning of the Masachet, we said we create certain forbidden relationships when we marry a woman. Uh, here, the Mishnah is going to teach that just having relations with a woman uh, does not create those forbidden relationships. Uh, you have to marry that woman. Uh, therefore, uh, the Gemara tells us that one can marry the relatives of a woman that he violated or seduced, um, but um, he's liable if he violates or seduces his wife's relatives, right? Once he's married to his wife, all of the women that she is related to become forbidden to him, uh, again, uh, in the context of marriage and outside the context of marriage. Um, a man can marry a woman, <coughs> excuse me, um, that was violated or seduced by his father or his son. Um, Rabbi Huda forbids uh, if he, uh, the woman was violated or seduced by the father, uh, but from the son, it seems to be okay. Uh, again, I do not believe that the Gemara is, or that the Mishnah is saying that it is okay uh, to violate or seduce women. I really, I really believe that that is not the case here. Again, I think that the Gemara, and you're going to see in about two minutes, how the Gemara is pushing um, the limits of our logic, right? So if we 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 test all of these scenarios by by pushing to the extremes. So this is one way we're going to push to extremes. In a minute, you're going to see uh, crazier waves ways to uh, push to the extremes. So uh, here the Gemara tells us um, it's rabbinically prohibited uh, to be with the relatives of someone who you were rumored to have been secluded with. Um, again, biblically, it's okay because it wasn't proven. Um, our Mishnah, ah, so then the Gemara redefines the Mishnah and says that really the Mishnah meant to say that if the woman dies, you can marry her relatives, but not while she's alive, right? You can't um, have a relationship, you can't marry someone um, who's related to a woman that you slept with because that seems to be uh, not uh, acceptable or not um not the right thing to do. Uh, this is all based on a verse. Uh, it says, kicha, to take. Uh, you know, kicha, uh, that means in marriage. Uh, or it also says, she'er, um, um, which means relatives. Um, so again, relatives are through marriage, not through extramarital or outside of the marital context. Um, and therefore, um, it seems to not create a prohibition to the relatives of that woman. Okay, we are now going to have seven riddles. If you like riddles, you're going to love this one. Um, that the Gemara figures, you know, you've paid attention for so long. Let's see uh, if you can figure out these riddles. So here is riddle number one. Um, a paternal brother... So it gives the riddle and then it gives the answer. Um, you're not gonna love the answers, so I'm just telling you right now. Okay, but here's the riddle. Um, the paternal brother married, uh, is married to the mother and I'm his wife's daughter. Okay, so how does that work? Um, basically, uh, we have Yaakov, who's the father, who violated a woman or had relations with a woman, uh, and then had a daughter. He didn't marry her. Then uh, Ruvain, who's Yaakov's son from another woman, you know, maybe I will. There were pictures. I didn't really like them, but I will. I, I mean, I like them. I love the Hadron pictures, but I didn't want it to be too complicated. But let's go. Okay. Here's Yaakov. He's married and he has a son, Ruvain. Then he has relations with Yael and has a daughter, Dina. And now, right, Ruvain, right, his son, if you remember, marries Yael, okay? So basically, um, he is the, again, the paternal brother is married to the, so Dina's paternal brother is married to her mother. 
and he and then she said and he and I'm his wife's uh, and she says I'm his wife's daughter right so that's how that's how that works um, okay if you like the picture great if not we're moving on okay uh, it gets worse though um, a woman says he's my brother and my son how could it, he be my brother and my son you're not gonna like this but we have a non-Jew, right? The Gemara is very careful to say it's a non-Jew. Uh, and he has a daughter, Maria. And then he sleeps with her. And they have a child, Paul, right? So Paul is also the brother and also the son. Okay. I told you you're not going to like these too much. Okay. Now, next one is, you are my son and I'm your sister's daughter. How does that work? Here we have, again, father you know, daughter, daughter, father sleeps with the granddaughter, they have a son, and then again, that son is the son and the granddaughter, right, and the grandson, because, right, you can see how that works, okay, I'm going to play you, okay, I'll play you something at the end, okay, next, it says, my son, right, you're my son, and I'm my brother's daughter, oh, I, I, sorry, my son, you're my son, and I'm his brother's daughter. So it's the same case, the granddaughter, and they have a son. Oh, wait, did that work? Hold on. Oh, yeah, 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 that was just, okay. Uh, wait one second. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is the case that he has a son and then a, a granddaughter, and the other one was he has a he has a daughter and then a grandson. Okay, that wasn't such a big deal. Okay, I mean it's a big deal, but not a big difference. Okay, here's the big. This is a crazy one. My brother is my father, who is my husband, and my husband's son, and my mother's husband, and I am his wife's daughter. Do you have a headache? Okay, wait. Hold on. Here it goes. A man is married and he has a son. Then. The wife sleeps with the son. Again, don't ask me. Uh, and then they have a daughter. And then she sleeps with the father. And then she sleeps with the, whatever, the grandfather, right, the grandfather. And then they have two children. <laughs> so basically, that's their, whatever. Again, no, they're all sick and you ought to take them out and dunk them somewhere. Yeah, whatever. That's exactly my point. And yeah, I'm just going to keep going if that's okay. Yeah, go uh, ahead and go. Okay. And then uh, we have another case. Um, <coughs> you and I are siblings. Your father and I are siblings. Your mother and I are siblings. So how does that work? Again, they have a son. He sleeps with the mother. They have uh, two sisters. They uh, sleep with the bro whatever. You yeah okay fine. Everybody's a brother and a sister and a zeh. Okay, uh, that's the case. <laughs> and um, last but not least, you, your father, and your mother are all children of siblings. Uh, and it just is the same case, but it gets more complicated because now it's like. Um, it's basically cousins doing the same thing. Uh, so they have children and then they, they say to each other, right, you're all married to children of siblings. Um, I'm going to move on with your permission. Okay. But in the end, I have a treat for you. Um, okay. Um, okay. The next Mishnah is going to talk about conversion. So um, it's important to understand, and we did mention this previously, that when people convert, um, even if they're relatives, meaning even if they're related before they converted, when they convert, they're seen as not related because we have this concept that when you are, uh, when you convert, you're like a newborn, right? You have no relations to the past. Um, again, it doesn't mean you can't have a relationship, uh, but uh, the law does not see you as related. Um, now, another thing that's important to understand, that if a pregnant woman converts, so um, let's say she, okay, meaning 
they were conceived before she converts. When she converts and they're pregnant and she's pregnant, um, so let's let's construct a case. Um, if she converts once she's pregnant, that that child is seen as her child, right? Meaning the child is born after she converts. Let's say she has twins. Those twins, and this is just fascinating, those twins are seen as maternal brothers, but not paternal brothers, because again, she converts with them in her stomach. Uh, therefore, we know who the mother is. We don't know who the father is. Uh, again, uh, even if we know who the father is, the law doesn't see them as paternally related, only maternally related. Okay. <coughs> and therefore, when we get to the case of Yibum, which we mentioned, you know, we've been talking about, um, Yibum is only with paternal brothers, not maternal brothers. So that's that's background for our Mishnah. So here's the case. Um, a woman who converts with her sons, right, they're born already, uh, they don't do yibum or chalitza for each other, meaning they are seen, uh, they're, they're not seen as related. If she was pregnant when she converted, um, again, and she has one child, then she has another child after she is already converted. So again, no yibum or or chalitza, um, because again, as I mentioned, they're not seen as paternal brothers. So the Gemara gives a story of paternal brothers who convert, um, and they are allowed to marry, uh, and they're even allowed to marry each other's wives, meaning they're not seen as related. The rabbis forbade maternal brother converts from marrying each other's wives, they said, no, 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 this is too much. Uh, that's not okay. Um, and uh, again, as we mentioned, right, that Yibum doesn't apply with the maternal brothers. Uh, let's say twin converts, right, or freed slave. The, the Mishnah mentions also that if we're talking about freed slaves, uh, they're also seen as reborn. They're now Jews. Uh, and they don't have any prior relatives. Um, so they don't do yibum to each other, um, and they're not prohibited from right, the, each other's relatives. If they were conceived before conversion, but born as Jews, um, we still don't do yibum, um, but they do. they are not allowed to marry each other's relatives, meaning they are seen as related. Uh, Daf 98 tells us, uh, again, right, it's not because, ah, so it's interesting, I said maybe because we don't know who the father is, the Gemara says it's not because paternity is unknown, rather that God voids their paternity, meaning when you convert, you're seen as, a, this is a fresh start, a new beginning uh, with no uh, prior relatives. Um, Rabbi Akiva says that a convert can marry, again, his paternal brother's wife. Uh, and again, as we said, um, that is seen as machloket, uh, uh, not sure if that is okay or not. Um, a convert who was conceived before conversion and born after the mother converted um, has, as we mentioned, maternal relatives, right? All the relatives that are related to the mother, he is related to, but not paternal relatives. And if his wife dies, he can marry, right, his mother-in-law, uh, maybe or maybe not. Um, okay, the next, the next Mishnah, if we uh, did not get confused enough, um, we now have, uh, I don't remember, if, okay, okay, we now have um, five children that get mixed up at birth right, makes you uh, thankful for uh, tagging in the hospitals, but okay, five children get mixed up at birth, how do their brothers do yibum, right, so again, picture, there are five mothers, uh, they each have five children, uh, those children get mixed up, everybody goes home with a baby, we don't know who they go home with, now they have another child, so they, every child has a brother, 
but not necessarily the one that he is living with. So what do they do? Um, so the Gemara, the Mishnah tells us, four of the brothers um, do chalita with one widow, right? So we take one widow. Uh, again, the idea is that these mixed up brothers married five different women, and now all those mixed up brothers die. Each brother, right, four of them do yibum to one woman, and then the last brother can do yibum, right? Again, why? Either he's doing yibum and it's his brother's widow, or it's a woman that he's not related to, so he can marry her, right? Because she got chalita from everybody else. And then they continue, right? Then he and three other brothers do chalita to the next widow, and then another brother marries her, and on and on and on. So in the end, each brother does four chalitas and one yibum, right? So every widow gets a, gets a it sounds like seven brides for seven brothers. Okay, fine. All right. Um, the Gemara, though, tells us that you have to do chalitza before you do yibum because we want to make sure that if one of the brothers, right, is there, we want to make sure that he does yibum. Um, and then each one does yibum because maybe he's really marrying his brother's wife. Um, if some of the surviving brothers are maternal brothers, um, then uh, they do chalitza and the paternal brothers do yibum, right? If let's say some of the brothers are kohanim, they do, uh, they do chalitza and the other ones do yibum. Because if you remember, a kohen is not allowed to marry a woman who did chalitza. So they need to do the chalitza and the others do yibum, right? If some were kohanim and others were maternal brothers, then everybody does chalitza. Um, I hope that that did not give you too much of a headache, but uh, I want to share one last thing with you. Uh, hold on. This is uh, the treat for, for staying awake for the whole thing. Hold on one minute. Oh, wait. I want to make sure that you can hear my audio. Okay. Okay. Can everyone see my screen? Okay. Do you guys know the song? This is a real song, <laughs> but it has, yeah, let me put it. Can you hear it? Many, many years ago, when I was 23, I was married to a widow who was pretty as can be. This widow had a grown-up daughter who had hair of red. My father fell in love with her, and soon they too were wed. This made my dad my son-in-law and really changed my life. Now my daughter was my mother, because she was my father's wife. And to complicate the matter, even though it brought me joy, I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy. <laughs> My little baby then became a brother-in-law to dad And so became my uncle, though it made me very sad For if, if he were my uncle, then that also made him brother Of the widow's grown-up daughter, who was, of course, my stepmother <laughs> Father's wife then had a son who kept them on the run and he became my grandchild, for he was my daughter's son. My wife is now my mother's mother, and it makes me blue, because although she is my wife, she's my grandmother too. <laughs> now, if my wife is my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild. Yeah. And every time I think of it, it nearly drives me wild. Cause now I have become the strangest case you ever saw As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa Oh, I'm my own grandpa
Okay, I hope you I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> uh, I know that a lot of our uh, cases seemed ridiculous, but it seems that uh, there's a song about it. So I, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a little crazy. Uh, so uh, again, as I mentioned, I don't think that uh, the Gemara meant these to be realistic cases, but uh, it seems that it's a country folk song. So. Uh, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, so wishing everyone uh, a great week. Sorry again about uh, the beginning of the Shi'ur. Uh, thank you, Aliza, for the suggestion of the candies. Um, and uh, Be'ezrat Hashem, uh, next week uh, I will have recovered Be'ezrat Hashem fully, and um, we'll see you next week on Tuesday. When you say next week, do you mean this coming Tuesday or the Tuesday no, no. after? After. Yes. Got it. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Yes, yes. Thank After. you. <laughs> thank Have you. Have a good one. Okay. Yes.